Hi, I'm Jade Madison Scott, and I am so happy that you are taking the time to listen to this podcast of mine. So the podcast you're about to listen to, On Their Way, has been my love child for the past several months. You see, I'm the founder of WGC Productions, the company that's producing this podcast. And while I was going through the process of building my company, I found myself wishing that I could talk to people who were doing the same thing. People who were going out on a limb and making a business or a brand that they were passionate about. And that thought birthed this podcast. So I hope that if you're a business owner or an artist like me, that the 10 creators we chose to interview for On The Way Season 1 will be able to share their insights with you and hopefully it can encourage you to push out your own art or business or anything to the world. Alright, so that's my spiel. I hope you enjoy the episode. And remember, this is a WGC production. Hi, so our guest today is Amanda Morse. She's a New York City-based actor, filmmaker, playwright, and black girl learning how to take care from Spanish Town, Jamaica. She is also a graduate of Howard University, where she received her BFA in acting. During her time at Howard, she expanded on her love for film and recently acted in and produced a film titled April Again. It is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Amanda has been fortunate enough to share her craft at major venues around the country from New York to Philadelphia to Washington, D.C., she most recently led the world premiere of the play, Form of a Girl Unknown, in Salt Lake City, Utah. She believes that as an artist, especially a black artist, it is imperative that we tell our stories with integrity and love and not sit back and wait on someone else to do so for us. Whether it be films, YouTube videos, or blog posts, Amanda is always working on something to keep her and her community uplifted. Amanda likes to remind herself every day that one one cocoa full basket an old Jamaican saying, which means success does not come overnight. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Jade. How how are you doing this fine Friday morning? Honestly, I'm doing well. I feel rejuvenized and I feel cute. So okay. I'm, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm I'm doing I'm doing pretty okay. I'm really <laughs> excited to be talking to you. This is this is really exciting to me. Yes. Yeah. Back at Howard, I always looked up to you because you always just doing it, Amanda. What? Yes. Oh, <laughs> um, oh thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, so my first question is, where do you call home? You live in New York. You're from mm-hmm. Spanish Town. You went to school in D.C. Where mm-hmm. are your roots? Home is Jamaica. Home. Yeah, that is home. That is. Uh, my nesting place that is where i feel comfortable but it wasn't until recently that i realized that home is also queens new york because even though i was born and raised in jamaica i came to new york when i was about 12 or 13 and those are very pivotal years you know as a young woman and i learned so much about myself while i was in queens and Um, you know, going to high school here and I found myself, like I went through so many phases and I found myself while I was in New York. So I realized that home can be both of them. It's just very different variations of home. Now you said you found yourself. So when Mm -hmm. you found yourself, who did you find that person to be? How would you describe yourself? I would describe myself as an ever blooming beam. Being because 
I'm always learning something else. Like even today, I'm 25 years old and I'm still learning more about myself. Like I'm still discovering things. I'm still blooming into something else. I feel like every day I bloom into a different flower and it's like, oh, how is this flower going to grow or possibly wilt a little bit today? Like what, what, um, what makes her grow? What makes her wilt? What makes her who she is? So I'm an ever-evolving being <laughs> <laughs> okay so ever-evolving how does that impact your art if you're ever evolving well that means that my art is always evolving you know uh, <laughs> you know like i'm trying to, i'm trying to make sense i'm trying to make sense because sometimes things like i say things in my head and things make sense in my head and it's like i know what i mean but how can i make the world know what i mean you know um but it just means that my art is always growing. I mean, before I had no clue like what type of art I wanted to make even. And now I know, okay, I want to tell stories about Black women, Black people. I want to tell stories about Jamaica. I want to tell stories about how unique the Black experience is and how it's not one thing, you know? And that's where I am right now. But who knows where I'll be next year? You know what I mean? So it's just ever evolving. Okay. I understood that. You did make the point across. <laughs> okay. Here's my question. As a person who's ever evolving and changing and learning things about herself, mm-hmm. at what point in your life, in this journey, did you realize that you wanted to be an artist and that this mm-hmm. was going to be a forever thing for you? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I wanted to be an artist I wanted to be a performer ever since I was a tiny little girl in Spanish Town, Jamaica. When I tell you I was Disney Channel's biggest fan, I wanted to be on Disney Channel. I wanted to be the next Raven on That's the Raven. I used to practice my, I'm Amanda, you're watching Disney Channel like every single day. (laughs) 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 Because that's what I wanted to do. And the crazy thing is, before all, I wanted to be a singer. I have books. Um, where I used to like write songs and raps. I wanted to be a singer before I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to do acting on the side. That's, this is what my childhood brain thought. I was going to be a singer and then I was going to be an actor on the side. And I wanted to be a fashion designer. So ever since I was really little, I knew that I wanted to be a, an artist. I knew that that was the realm I wanted to go into. And it wasn't until I got to America and I started taking acting classes and performing in musicals and stuff at the high school I went to that I realized that, oh, I can make a career out of this. And that was in grade 12 when we did August Wilson's Gem of the Ocean. I played Black Mary and that role forever changed my life because I realized it wasn't until one day right before I went on stage, I was outside waiting to go on and it hit me. Something just in me said, I really don't care if I'm rich or poor. I don't care what happens. This is what I want to do forever. And then I went on stage. And it ever since then, I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is going to be my career. And and was your family supportive of this decision? In the beginning, no. <laughs> no, for them, this was just playing. This was just, oh, you know, you're doing that thing for fun. 
and my mother was very confused because she brought me to America for a better life. She wanted me to be a doctor or a nurse or you know something more practical. She she so when she saw that I was spending so much time in rehearsals, so much time um you know after school working on these quote unquote plays and you know doing all this stuff like it didn't really make sense to her, you know what I mean? Um, you know, she just came from Jamaica. Like, what she knows is survival. So she's not thinking, like, oh, doing this thing, you know, out of passion, per se. Um, and I don't... She used to come and see my show. She always supported me. But she just never saw how I could make this a career. She was... And I could see... Well, looking back now, I can see that it was fear. You know, she was scared for me. Like, I was her baby girl. I'm the last one out of four. And she sacrificed so much for me and my siblings, her entire life, our entire lives. So she just wanted what was best for me. And she didn't really see how putting all my time and energy into acting or theater could be best for me. I went to community college before I went to Howard. And she saw how serious I was. She saw that this wasn't a game. But it wasn't until... I told her that I'm going to Howard to study theater, to study this acting, and I'm going to pay for it out of my own pockets. That's when she was like, whoa, this girl is serious. And now she'll be sending me articles about this audition. She'll be talking to me about, oh, you know, this actor did this or this person did that. Like she sees now that this is real and I can see how proud she is, um, ooh, I'm a cry, but, um. It's okay. Take your time. Like, um, at graduation, she came up to me and she was like, I'm so proud of you. And that was, that was the best moment of that entire day. That's one of the best moments of my life, just hearing her say, I'm so proud of you. Because I knew it was a struggle for her to see me take this path because she didn't know what was going to happen. Shoot, I don't know what's going to happen, but just to know that she believes in me. And when I tell her about my auditions now, she smiles and she I, I see this proud smile on her and she's so excited to hear about auditions and what I'm doing. <laughs> so it's been a journey. A good one. It sounds like a good one. Mm-hmm. And you just started too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so as an actor, what is your process? Mm. that's such an interesting question because I think I think my process I think my process depends on the character um, and how close I feel to the character let me use the last show I did as an example Form of a Girl Unknown I played a 12 year old and I'm obviously not 12 (laughs) (laughs) so The first thing I do, first thing in my process is just reading the play. And while I'm reading the play, um, just for fun, just to like see what's going on, it's interesting. Like I hear the character's voice in my head. 
I see the how the character moves in the world in my head. Like I feel it. Like I I see it and I, I hear it and I feel it and I'm like, oh she oh she's definitely doing this at this point. Like I just I feel it right there and it's almost like it's building like a skeleton for that character. And I've noticed that I tend to do that a lot. And before I used to like run away from that because I thought, oh, it's wrong. But then, you know, you realize that your process is your process and can't anybody tell you what is right or wrong for your process. So I did that. And then, you know, once I have those like thoughts in my head, I go into rehearsal, um, you know, after scoring out the script and stuff and figuring out what certain words mean. (laughs) I go to rehearsal and then it's like, oh, okay, you know, I'm putting all these things together, you know, when I have the other actors with me and things will change, things will stay the same. For the most part, for that play, how I first saw her is how she remained. And I I used that and um, what else? I I'm very big on alone time. Like, I need to have alone time, which was great for me in Utah because I had my own apartment and I was by myself. So I was in there a lot and I was just running lines, memorizing, memorizing because she spoke a lot. And a big part of my process, too, I don't know if other people do this, but I need other people to like run lines with me so I can you know, get the pacing or just like know how it feels to go back and forth with somebody. So I'd call my boyfriend and he'd run lines with me on FaceTime. I think he still know the lines more than I do at this point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's little things like that. And just being alone, a big part of my process, especially before a show is I do not like to talk. I do not talk at all. Um, my castmates can attest to this, like, I had to let them know, like, guys, I'm not being mean. I don't hate you guys, but I'm not going to be talking to you guys. And I'm very quiet, and I'm just listening to my music, and I'm just doing what I need to do. And I like to touch the script and just, like, run through the script before a performance. Um, Even if I'm not, like, looking at the words, but just, like, touching it, touching the words and stuff. (laughs) And then when the show is over, then I'm like, ah, hey, everybody, what's up? Ah." (laughs) But before then, you'll think I don't like people because I just do not want to talk. Don't talk to me. Let me just stay over here. But that's me. And I know that that's not everybody else. But that's how I like to do it. You brought up a point. Just for our listeners, last year, Amanda did play the 12, 12-year-old Amali in Charlie Evans Simpson's world debut, A Form of a Girl Unknown, over in Salt Lake mm-hmm. City, Utah. And I just wanted to ask, since you also played Beneath a Younger in Lorraine Hansberry's a young a raisin in the sun at the lyric rep yeah. earlier that year too what was the difference working with a character that nobody had ever seen before and then working with a character as iconic as benita right oh my goodness it's so interesting because benita has always been a dream role i'll play her 12 more times if i could working with that character you know and you know that like everybody's played her you know what I mean and I kind of went into it thinking oh my gosh you know people are gonna be thinking that I said this line like this person or I should have said this line like this person you know like thoughts like that would plague me but then when when I touched her you know I'm bringing my experiences to her and I have quite similar experiences to her So I'm bringing my Jamaican experiences and touching her up with that, you know what I mean? And 
then those thoughts didn't even mean anything because I know I'm playing her how I want to play her, how I see her. Whereas when I went into Amali, I'm like, I can do anything I want to do. And nobody's going to say a thing because this is the first time she's ever been brought to life on stage. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and I had, I felt a little bit more freedom going into Amali because I'm like, yo, like, this is, this is the first time and no one is going to be able to say, oh, you should have did this. Oh, you should have did that. Because this was me bringing life to her and i hope that whoever plays her next i hope they don't think about what i did and say oh well she was played like that you know maybe i should do what amanda did no bring your own flavor bring your own spices to the mix and it's okay i also have another question about your time as being the younger so again for our listeners the lyric repertory is in logan utah which according to the 2010 census has a 1% black population. So with a play as iconic in the black community as A Raisin in the Sun, a play that deals so strongly with themes of blackness and the experience of black people in America, when you were playing to a majority white audience, did that at all affect how you played it? Did it make you self-conscious? What was the vibe, so to speak? Yeah, (laughs) it's so funny. There were little to no black people. No, I was never self-conscious about that. I remember before we started the show and the, the run of the show, my castmates and I used to be like, man, ain't nobody gonna come see this show. <laughs> man, it's just gonna be us and like two black folk in the audience. <laughs> but it was one of everyone's favorite show that season. We were packed out every night people loved that show and even before that um before knowing what our audience would look like it didn't affect how i was going to play her or how i felt about performing the show because i knew that whoever was in that audience needed to hear this and a city like logan with such a small percentage of black people a city like logan where when me and my castmates were walking around people were pointing and staring at us because They've never seen this set of black people here before. The same city, you know, I we got racially profiled when we went to a store, you know what I mean? So we were like, y'all need to see the show. And y'all are gonna learn. Y'all gonna learn a piece of history. And something great that we did that I loved was we went to different schools and we spoke to the students there, different high schools, and we spoke to the students. And a lot of those students came to see the show and they loved it and they learned so much. So Definitely, it doesn't matter what race or, you know, who your audience is. Don't let that affect how you tell the story because you will still be teaching people and you are still bringing these different things to their lives and they need it. A slight transition. You've obviously had theater experience, but you also have film Mm -hmm. experience. For instance, you were in April again, the award-winning film, and... (laughs) and and you're also going to be in the f- upcoming Tybell Hunt movie, Naomi, which is a crime comedy. So, I- oh, Naima. Oh, did I mispronounce it? Naima. Thank you, Naima. So you're going to be in that movie. So how is the experience different from theater to film? How does that work for you? So just to clear things up, um, Naima has been postponed because of COVID. Makes yeah. sense. 
it's so sad because we started filming and I think we almost had we I think we had a third of the film down. I'm so sorry. I'm like, but it's okay. You know, there's always it's okay. There's always more to do and we're always creating. Um, but as far as film and theater, theater, you know, is more it's it's bigger. You know, you have to be more bold and you're more exaggerated on the stage and so forth. Whereas film you it's very nuanced and you're you're working on a smaller scale and sometimes they're just focusing on the eyes or like the tippy tippy tap of your fingers you know what I mean and I I think they're both so unique and fun and I'm still learning when it comes to film because I did I take a film class oh yeah we did have a semester of film class acting for the screen or something I forgot what it was called but um, it wasn't as immersive as our theater classes because we had more years of theater classes. But you said the difference, right? Yes, the difference or the similarities. Or the similarities. Um, well, the difference for me is that I'm learning how to make sure that when I'm doing film, you know, I'm not doing too much and just remembering that I can be extremely subtle and it works. Because for years, I remember having to remember to be bigger on stage. And I finally got that in my bones to be bigger on stage. And now I'm like, oh, okay, this is completely different. Gotta be smaller. Gotta remember that my eyes can't just be bolting all over the place and, you know, doing all that stuff in um, film. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, the eyebrows, you, you don't want to be doing too much with your eyebrows because that can be distracting. It's... It's just remembering certain things. And you get it into your bones after a while. After you've done so many self-tapes, you feel it. You're like, okay, chill. I just tell myself to chill out. And so Mm -hmm. you want to do more films in the future. Are there specific types of films you'd like to do? Oh, my gosh, yes. (laughs) I want to do all the films. Book me. No, seriously. I really, I would love to do an action-packed film where I had to like bulk up a little bit and something, I okay, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I want to do one of those popcorn movies where it's just explosions and stuff and where I'm jumping over stuff and I'm doing my own stunts, well, most of them, because girl, you know I can't, I'm the one, I kind of want to get through hurt. <laughs> Listen. But, you know, like I want to be doing stunts and, and, and shooting at stuff and, and running really fast and jumping off a building and people saying, oh, my God. And I'm like, I made it. You know, I want to do stuff like that. And shoot, I want to be storming X-Men. Come on now. Like, I want to do a lot of Jamaican films. I have like all these ideas that I've written down about the films that I want to produce because I want to produce a lot and I want to produce um, these different um, stories about Jamaica and the culture because from doing my one person show I saw that people are really intrigued in that aspect of life and you don't really hear that many Jamaican stories and when you do they're told by these really bad accents and they're very stereotypical so I want to bring people back into my childhood and how I grew up as a little girl in Jamaica who was heavily influenced by American pop culture 
Do you have any interest in returning to Jamaica and participating in the art scenes there for extended periods of time? Or will you be in between New York, Jamaica, or will you be primarily in New York? Mm, good, 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 good. I'm not sure about an extended period of time because the theater world in Jamaica, you know, I'm not even familiar with it. I watch the plays, but I don't know how things work out there, which is something I would like to find out. But I would love to do a show in Jamaica. That would be so dope. I would love to produce work in Jamaica. I know one of my biggest dreams um, after I'm financially stable enough to do something like this, I would love to, and I will, open a theater company or just like an after, a theater after school program for the youth in Spanish Town, Jamaica, because growing up, I never had anything like that. And if there was something like that, I didn't know about it. So I would love to just bring resources and a resource like that there for the Jamaican youth who are there and they want that outlet because I know there are so many young boys and girls and just people out there who want that outlet, who want to study acting, who want to dive into that world, who probably don't know they want to, but they just want to go somewhere safe or fun after school, you know, and just be creative. Just let, because Jamaican people are so creative. Are They are, oh my gosh, they are so creative and they're so dramatic and they were just meant for theater. They were just meant to entertain. So if I could bring some dope resources out there and friends that I know to probably teach a master class or something, shoot, bring you out there, teach them how to do production. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that would, Sign me up. <laughs> that's a dream. That would be a dream come true. That sounds really lovely. Giving back is such an important part of being an artist, especially since mm -hmm. you want to create mm -hmm. work that helps improve communities. It's right up your alley. Yeah. Thank you, Jane. Of course. Now, I have a question. So you have a thriving YouTube channel. Of course, you have a strong social media presence. So oh. how do you preserve your private self since you put so much of yourself out there? How do you preserve the you mm -hmm. that's just for you, if that's mm -hmm. something you even want to do? Mm -hmm. So fun fact, I do preserve a lot just for me. And people don't know that because I know, like, I use my Instagram and my blogs and, you know, YouTube and stuff like that. I, I vlog a lot and I tell a lot of stories, but there's a really great thing called editing. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I keep a lot to myself. I'm a very private person, which most people don't know, but I'm a very sharing person. I like to share my experiences because those experiences help other people, but I'm very particular about what I share and even if I am sharing something that is private I I tell certain bits just enough to help somebody but not enough to overexpose myself you know what I mean and so a lot of people might think oh my god she tells us everything we know everything about her no you don't you know just enough and I don't mind doing that because it's helped so many people personally when I'm on social media I like following blogs or people who share because I want to learn from people. That's the reason why I use it. So if I can help somebody to learn something or even to learn a little bit more about me and, you know, what I've noticed is that when people feel comfortable around you, when they feel like they know you or they know just enough about you, they're more inclined to support you. And yeah, so I share just enough. And, you know, I'll be talking about my man. 
(laughs) (laughs) And I share just enough to, um, just to help the other person out. Since you brought up Tyrell, I have a question. How is it working with, how is it working with your partner? Because (laughs) for our listeners, he was the writer, director, and editor for April Again. Go watch it on Amazon Prime. But Uh Amanda also produced and starred in the film. So what was that relationship like working with someone you love in a professional context? Oh, wow. So it's so much fun. It's so interesting. We complement each other. And when we first connected in 2017, it was to work with each other. He was interviewing me for Gritty Vibes, which is his website. And that's how we first connected. And then we became friends. And in our friendship, we created a short film called Manda Was Here. And then as the relationship grew, as our friendship grew, and then, you know, he asked me to be his girlfriend, but the creating never stopped. So with the same respect and the same love that we had as friends, it's the same love and respect we have while we're creating as a couple. And um, we he always jokes about this, like, ooh, you're going to hate me. Because when he's directing me and I'm acting like our processes are different, so he, he has to just trust that I know what I'm about to do. And that's something that he said he just recently learned. Like, okay, for him, like he likes to go over things a million times and I'll go over things. But then I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. And then I show up and I kill it. But he's still worried. Like, I mean, but we could still go over it like two more times. And he's like, uh, and I'm like, it's okay, babe. I got it. So it's something that he said he had to learn, like, okay, I trust you. I know that you're going to come through and you're going to kill it. You're going to do what you're supposed to do. I'm like, yeah, like, you know, like, I does this. But it's fun. It's fun to know that, like, my best friend supports me so much. He has helped me with my brand. You know, when I was sending out my first newsletter, he helped me format that. Uh, when I do my self-tapes, the voice behind all my self-tapes is his. You know what I mean? Like he lets me use his setup, his cameras, different things like that. And I help him as well. It's we We just support each other. We hold each other up. And it's fun and it's exciting and it's comforting. It's so comforting to know that I don't have to worry about my partner wondering if this career path I chose is stupid which um, I know a lot of people who are performing artists, they think about that like, oh, I'm dating this person, but they think what I'm doing is dumb, you know? So it's it's very comforting to know that he supports everything I do and I support anything he does. Oh, that's really beautiful. <laughs> that's so cute. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> All right. So here's another question. So who were your role models? Mm-hmm. Ooh. So, you know, I'm going to say Angela Bassett. Always a queen. Because that is my mother. Sorry, mommy. You're my mother, too. But, like, Angela Bassett's, like, my other mother. <laughs> um, I love me some Angela Bassett. But she's more of an inspiration. But, yeah, definitely a role model. I look up to people. Are you just necessarily talking about who I look up to? First, you mentioned that she's an inspiration, not a role model. Could mm-hmm. you explain what the difference also, is? Like, I'm trying to figure out what the difference is myself, but um, (laughs) because when I think of role model, I guess I think of, well, no, I guess she would count as a role model because I look to her. I look to her um, 
that's not model of a role that I would like to take on. So I guess that makes sense. Um, Viola Davis, yes. Um, I wow. Her name is Miss Louise Bennett. She was a Jamaican folklorist, poet, performer, author, everything. Rest in peace. And she was all about using our Jamaican dialect, using Patwa to communicate. And she loved teaching people that Patwa is a beautiful language and that, you know, because I don't know if many people know, but in Jamaica, you know, English is our national language, but we speak Patwa, but we don't speak it on the news. The newscasters aren't speaking Patwa, and in a lot of communities, they associate speaking Patwa with speaking poorly or, you know, being of lower class. So they say speak English. They'd be like, oh, stop chat bad, speak English. But she made it clear, and she was so big about showcasing our language and that is something that I want to do so she is a huge role model for me in that sense because she she believed in our culture and she believed that our culture was beautiful and that it could stand on its own and that is something that I believe in and that is something that I want to show the world so she's a huge role model for me well, you've already started showing the culture of Jamaica in some of your works. For instance, as a playwright, you wrote, mm-hmm. pardon the pronunciation, Licky <laughs> Bowie Big Man? Big Man? Look a boy, Mom? Big Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and Coconuts, which both showcase uh-huh. Jamaican culture. And Coconuts particularly yeah. showcases your experience immigrating from Jamaica to New York and then your transition into American yeah. culture and what that looks like. But I have a question. So when you write plays, are there any other topics that you want to write about? Or is it mainly the Jamaican immigrant experience that you want to write about as a playwright? Mm, that's a good one. Right now, it's mostly the Jamaican immigrant experience um, or just life in Jamaica itself. I have so many ideas in my notes right now, but that I don't even like, I can't even get to my phone, but of like other things that I want to write about, but nine and a half out of 10 times is always about the Jamaican experience because that's where I am right now. It took me a very long time to realize that that experience was worthy of the stage or the screen, which is why that's all I pretty much want to do right now when I'm creating my own work. As far as doing other people's work, I'll do any and everything but when I'm creating my own stuff I just want to bring those stories to life because I don't see anybody else doing it um especially on a main stage you know well there are some people doing it like Storm Salta but not too many people doing it so when it comes to like writing my own stuff yeah that's pretty much what I want to focus on but you did bring up in that comment you made you said that you recently became aware that it was something worthy of being brought to the main stage and the big screen. Mm -hmm. Did something in particular happen to make you realize that? Yeah, when I was in college, ooh, I went through so many transitions in college. Thank God for enlightenment. Thank God for growth. you're, You're studying theater and you're learning Greek and Shakespeare and everything else. And then I was like, that was in community college. And I said, I'm going to Howard. I want to learn more about black plays and black playwrights and stuff like that and that I did but there was always a disconnection 
you know? Because I'm thinking to myself, why do I always have to hide my accent? Why can't there be something where I can be Jamaican and show this accent if it's so beautiful, you know? So it wasn't until maybe my junior year, I think, when I started creating my own work that I realized, oh, my culture is dope. My culture is fun. And like I like putting that on stage would be so good. And I can do that. Like I'm allowed to do that. So I started watching more plays, more Jamaican plays and more Jamaican films and even just like Jamaican skits or just watching Jamaican people because Jamaican people on their own are so inspiring. So just doing that and I realized, oh yeah, I can do this. And then after I saw the reaction to coconuts, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. So that's pretty much what happened. It all happened in college, good old Howard University. H-U. You know. (laughs) Okay, is coconut still up on YouTube? It is, it is. Okay, then go watch it if you have the time, listeners. It's a it's a great time. It's a great time. <laughs> so, Coconuts is a one-woman show. Mm-hmm. You were an ensemble member in Mamma Mia back in the summer of 2019. You've been a lead in both film and play. Which one do you prefer? Do you like the solo show, being an ensemble member, being a lead? Ooh. Which one works best for you? Which one do you like most? Mm, I love being a lead. Because oh, okay. yeah, I'm not even I'm not even gonna hold you. <laughs> I love being a lead. And I do I coconuts made me realize that I love being in a solo show. I used to love watching solo shows, but I didn't realize how much I liked doing it. It's fun because you just never leave. And I wow, it sounds like I like attention, huh? I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love I love being a lead. I always say I wanna be a leading woman you know, and that's where I see myself. That's where I see myself heading. That's how I promote myself because I can and because that's what I want. And there's nothing cocky about it. It's just like, that's what I want to do. Now, are there some stories that will call for me to be a supporting member? Of course, even as a lead, you're still supporting, but I see myself as a leading woman and that's the road I want to go down. Is there Mm -hmm. a dream role that you want Oh, goodness. Okay, so the first thing that always comes to mind when people say this is, I want to play Angela Bassett in her biopic. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I want to do that because she had such an interesting life and then her career is so profound. It's like, man, if I play Angela Bassett in her biopic, I'm going to get to play everybody else because she don't did play everybody else. Uh, But is there any other dream role? I... I don't really think I have one. I just know my dream role consists of me leading something fiercely. Fiercely? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Of, of course you're an actor. You're a creator. Nowadays, it seems like a lot of other people are too. It mm-hmm. just seems that we're surrounded by other beautiful people who are creating things. Mm-hmm. But that can be kind of difficult for people who are mm-hmm. just looking and they can't necessarily see all of us. So what distinguishes you in such a saturated entertainment environment? Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, that's a really good one. I would say, I think my work ethic and my drive separates me because anybody can be a creator, but, pardon me, and I know a lot of people who are creating, 
but they don't have that drive, you know, like they'll do something or they say they'll do something and then it doesn't happen. Whereas when I say I'm going to do something, it happens. And when I'm working towards something, I go through with it, you know? So I think that separates me. The fact that with me, you'll see results and you'll see quality results. Yeah. And I'm very, I'm a great marketer. I can market anything. <laughs> so I think, I think that helps. And my stories. I mean, come on. You you kidding me? Freaking Jamaican girl from Spanish Town in New York. I mean, there's a lot of us, but like telling these particular stories and I'm so passionate about this man. Like, I don't even, I don't even compare myself to anybody else because I'm just really passionate about what I'm doing and I only see what I'm doing. And I I just, ugh, I just love it. I just, I just know what I'm doing is, it's going to change the world one day. I feel it, Jade. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's my soapbox and I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's been really lovely, but here's the last question. Mm-hmm. So, you're on your way up. You're on your mm-hmm. way to being successful. How mm-hmm. will you know when you've made it? Interesting, because I feel like I already made it. Oh, explain, yeah. do tell. Aha, uh-huh, right? Because it's so interesting. And and I will also say, I think there are many different levels of making it, quote unquote. And I think I made it because everything I said I wanted to do, I did it and so much more. And that's how I see And I know that there's so much more for me to do. So how I like to think of it is I made it because I made that little girl from Spanish Town, Jamaica, I made her dreams come true already. And who knew that I could do this? I mean, I knew I could do it, but who knew that I could do it? You know, and I believed in myself and that's why I think I made it. But I also know that there's so many more levels that I want to hit you know I never want to peak because I think that'll get boring I want to keep leveling up so I'm always gonna keep making it but I've already made it shoot graduating from Howard I made it you kidding me so yeah I think I I think I made it because I made most of I made all of my dreams come true so far all right well thank you Amanda this has been really wonderful Thank you for having me. (laughs) You were great. It was just really insightful to hear your process and your journey as a Jamaican immigrant. It's just wonderful. Thank you so much. I hope this helps somebody. Like, I just always want to help somebody. So I hope somebody feels this, hears this, and is inspired, and they know that they can do anything they want to do. That's what I tell people. You can do whatever you want to do. Just don't hurt people along the way. You can follow Amanda and her journey to success on her Instagram and Twitter at Soul, on her YouTube channel, which is named Amanda Morris, and on her website, amandamorrisactor.com, where you can subscribe to her newsletter. And that is a wrap on episode one of On The Way, a WGC production. On The Way was created, hosted, and edited by me, Jade Madison Scott. The theme was composed by Baggio Alvarado, and the logo was created by Michael Corre. If you like this episode, please leave us a review, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WithGoodCo, or tell your friends to tune in next time. If you really liked our episode, please consider buying our merchandise at our website, wgcproductions.com. That's how we keep all this up and running. 
You can also find our episode transcripts and show notes at wgcproductions.com. Alrighty. I'll talk to y'all same time next week. And until then, remember, take care of yourselves.